but uh, we baptized 16 people. I just feel, I feel like we are gaining momentum in this church. Come on. We went through a rough season. We went through some things back in the past, but that's the past. We're going forward to the future. We are gaining momentum. Lives are being changed. The atmosphere is starting to change, and attitudes are starting to change too. Anybody need an attitude adjustment? All right. Well, speaking of change, I, if you're asking me what I'm watching, I don't watch as much TV as I used to because I'm so tired anymore lately, but I watch those renovation shows. Anybody like the renovation shows on issue? Oh, good. I am not alone. Let me tell you what. I like Fixer Upper. I like Chip and Joanne. I like, I, I love what they do. Uh, love it or list it, man, does she have an attitude or what? She reminds me of my wife just a little bit. I, I really don't like that. That's horrible looking. Stop. Don't do that. I'm kidding. She knows I'm, I'm really not. Uh, but then you got flip or flop where they're out in California or buying these houses for a half a trillion dollars. And you're like, man, in Kentucky, that house would be like 50 grand or something like that. But I love watching all of these shows, Property Brothers. But the one I like the best and the one she likes the least is Hometown. Anybody like Hometown? They go through Laurel, Mississippi. It just reminds me of being back in hometown. And Ben, that's the, uh, that's the man of the thing. He see, he's always taking something that means something to the family and has value to the family. And he renovates it. He restores it and reuses it. And he places it back in the home to be used at some kind of, for some kind of use. The title of my message today is, You Are Valuable. There's a story I gotta get a drink of water. Maybe it's, uh, I'm gonna blame it on her allergies. There's a story of a couple that were married for years and they had an old dresser and uh, it had been passed down from generation to generation. It had been in the house for a while and so they got tired of looking at it so they moved it out to the barn right next to the chicken coop and it was out there for decades. They, for, they even kind of forgot about it until one day they were gonna go and they were gonna clean out the barn. And when they found that old dresser, it was covered up with dust. It had chicken doo-doo all over it. It had feathers all over it. So what they did is they tried to clean it up. And when they cleaned it up, they, took, they put this ugly green paint on it, trying to just to do something different with it. They took it in the house. And you know what? That thing still had some issues. Is there anybody in this house that still got some issues? Even though they tried to clean it up, even though they tried to repaint it and varnish it, it still had some issues. So they took it in the house because it had some sentimental value to them. That ugly dresser sat there for years and years until one day they decided to take it to a friend that, that renovated things in his garage and refinished things. And so they took it there and, you know, they dropped it off. And literally about 12 to 24 hours later, he called and he said, he called. And they, they were like wow, that was totally fast. You're not supposed to be able to do that that fast. Then he started to explain to them. He said, listen, you don't understand what you have here. He explained that this particular uh, dresser is dated all the way back to the Revolutionary War. And he said, it's priceless. It's a priceless heirloom. And I am about, to, I'm afraid to touch this thing because it's worth tens of thousands of dollars. They took a deep breath and said, no, we want you to do that. We want you to, uh, to renovate this old dresser. So 
um, he t it took him months, to, instead of just the days or hours, it took him months to go of painstaking where he sat there and he scrubbed off all the dirt and he sanded it and he buffed it and he varnished it and he restored it back to its natural beauty. I'm going to tell somebody today that you are that dresser. Come on. You were made to be valuable, and you are not junk. But the enemy always does this to you. He tries to always make you feel like you're junk, right? He always tries to get you to a place where you're hidden under all that chicken doo-doo, right, of life. Anybody had the doo-doo of life all over them? Yes, the pastor said doo-doo, and he's got a pink shirt on today, but that's okay. You're hidden under all of that stuff in life. And what it does, it makes you feel like you have to stay in the basement. Listen, in the last few weeks and the last few months, I've been in a lot of basements. And I'm telling you, a lot of places are hidden down into the basements. Why do we go to the basement, though? Because we want to hide our guilt. We want to hide our shame. We want to hide everything. We don't want anyone to see what's going on on the outside. And that hiding place seems to be the safest place, but a lot of times it's the most lonely place, right? You go to the hiding place because you don't want no one to know, but after a while, the enemy comes in, he starts to isolate you and make you feel like you're all alone. And what happens in that very lonely place is it can make you be vulnerable, make you feel isolated. It can also make you feel disconnected. And listen, when we get disconnected, the first thing we get disconnected from is God. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You miss it. You miss church or you miss your devotions or you miss your Bible reading. And the first thing that goes, a lot of times you get so disconnected from, you know, by the distractions of the world, the first place you go is away from God. And God says, come towards me instead of running from me. We get disconnected. We don't read his word. We don't come to church. And we don't feel valid, valuable when we put our things in the outbuilding or in the barn. I was... <laughs> I went to a house the other day, and there was probably a 10 by 15 shed. I don't even think it was that big. No, it wasn't even that big. And I opened the door of that thing, and I went, O-M-G. There was stuff stacked. I mean, you could not get another. Kim's going, yeah, I know what those places look like. Uh, you couldn't get anything else in there. But once I started going through the piles of junk, there was some hidden stuff underneath there that was, that was very valuable. But so many times we stuff everything on top of the value of what God is on top. Everything that God has for us is deep inside of us, and the enemy tries to pile everything on top of you and make you think more about that junk than what's really on the inside of your life. And you think about the barn and the oath sign, is it out of sight, out of mind? Does that really work? We think that works, right? We think that if we bury it enough, if we don't talk about it enough, or, or, or if something else, it'll just go away, right? Does that work? No, that never goes away. My wife's favorite thing is to say, you cannot shove it under the rug. Before it's too long, the rug becomes lumpy. Before too long, everything's hanging out from the other side of it, and they can all see your stuff. It will not go away. We hold on to a lot of things that we should be letting go of. Do we have any hoarders in the house? It's okay to raise your hand. Oh, we have, oh, we have a few people here. I am not. If it does not serve a useful purpose after a, a, a little while, it's gone or sold or, or given to somebody because I just can't do it. Walking into some of these houses, I'm just thinking, Lord Jesus, you just got to help a brother out right now because I just can't handle this now. But sometimes you don't really know how much stuff you accumulate. 
Here's what we got to do. You got to trash the past. You got to part ways with, with depression and anger and that victim mentality that you have. And sometimes you got to get a dumpster instead of a trash can. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we bring out a 13-gallon trash can and we think it's enough to handle, but God says, oh, there's a dumpster full of stuff that you need to get rid of in your life. I know that's funny, but I'm, I'm telling you something. It's something that we all deal with. We put the little tiny things here and we touch the little tiny things there and we think it, that doesn't really matter. And God said, man, there is so much that I need you to unload. And I got a dumpster full to get it because I paid the price for you. Oh, sometimes you got to let some things go to make room for other things. There's some things in your life you're holding on to right now that God says, I got way more in you, but you can't hold on to, that, to, to the capacity of that because you keep holding on to everything else. I got more for you. You ever heard the old saying, one person's junk is another person's treasure? Since we've been doing this uh, thrift store and yard selling, um, yes, I have found that, that that is totally the case. And there's a quote, and I tried to find who, who said it, but I couldn't. Here we go. But an object's value is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it. I was looking through a house the other day, and, and um, there was just stuff everywhere. And, you know, I was looking for the good stuff, and mostly what I thought when I looked around there I thought it was all a bunch of junk. It was just stuff piled everywhere. So I called a friend of mine called Junk and Johnny Estates. Plugging for you, Junk and Johnny. You better be watching here. He walks in, and within an hour, he's got a small pile here. He's got a small pile here. He's got one here, and he's working over here. And I'm seeing the happiness in his eyes. And I'm looking at all this stuff, and I'm, I'm like... Dude, that's junk. I'm about to ready to, I would pitch that in the dumpster. He said, you do not understand. That pile right there is probably worth $150. This little pile over here, maybe I can get $200 for. Do you know that piece right there that you're looking at that you're probably gonna trash? It's worth $75 to $100. A lot of times we don't see those things because we don't see them as valuable. But God sees them as beautiful. He knows when he sees you as beautiful. We have value. But there's a cost to be made new. Renovations are time-consuming, which means they're a process. They can get messy. You know, when you're messing with people, people are messy. Y'all been around any messy people in your life? Yeah, me, I'm messy. Ask my wife when she's trying to clean the house and she has to ban me from the house so I don't make a mess because I come in all traipsing all over the place. So people are messy. And sometimes when you're trying to get to the place, you've got to dig a little deeper. You've got to strip away that old stuff to make way for the new. And what you've got to do is you've got to allow God to do that. God, doesn't, God wants to turn your life upside down. Maybe, I know some of y'all are new to this whole thing, but God doesn't, you, you see yourself as, as, you know, I need a tune-up. God says, no, you need an overhaul. You say, I just need a little bit of makeup. And God says, no, you need a makeover. You, you know, you see yourself as, oh, I need to touch this up just a little bit. And God says, no, I need to do a total renovation on you. I need to decorate it. And God says, no, let's remodel the whole thing and make it new. But it's worth the work. There's purpose in your pain. I'm slowing down here a minute. There's purpose in your pain. There's a testimony on the end of your test that only you will be able to affect someone with. There is something great buried deep inside of you, and God says you're valuable. God says you're priceless. He says you're a one-of-a-kind. 
Just like those houses that we go into, they make them new. And that's what God does for us. I know I'm kind of sounding the same thing, but God makes you new. He's in the process of making you not the old person you used to be, but the new person that you can be. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Aren't you excited that that is what God has done for you? You're becoming new. You know what it is now? Now it's our time to be looking for the hidden treasure in someone else, right? So you got to remember what he's done for you. And so many times we want to be looking at, at the outward appearance of what they look like on the outside. I can tell you with a surety right now that I hired Kevin in the thrift store. And um, the first day I told this story, I'm telling it again because you may not have heard it. The first day he walks in, he's got a hoodie pulled over his head. He's in pajama pants. He's got uh, uh, slippers on. And I'm like, what the heck did I just, what just walked in the door here? First thing I did was uh, I, I put him painting over there, and he said the very thing that he loathes the worst is painting. But literally, you know what happened is, uh, after a few days, after a few weeks, I started seeing the value of Kevin. We started seeing the real Kevin come out because Kevin was in active addiction, and now he's not in active addiction anymore. Come on. Come on. We started seeing the value of people. So many times we want to look at the outward appearance, but God is looking at the heart. He's come a long way. He's still got a long way to go, though. Don't we all? Y'all pointing fingers, y'all. Everybody's got a way to go, right? There's a story that tells us not to look on the outside. One day, God sent the prophet Samuel. Uh, he said, we need a new king because Saul was all, was all jacked up. He said, we need a new king, and so I'm going to send you to the house of Jesse, and he has seven sons there. And God said, and when you go there, I'm going to show you the son that's going to be king. So Jesse called all the boys in, and look, what, uh, uh, look at Samuel here. He said, so it was, when they came and they looked at Eliab, who was the oldest, he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely to goodness, he is the one. Samuel was, what, was doing what we often do. He was judging by looks. He was judging by personality. He was judging by social status. He was judging by what he saw on the surface. And listen what culture does. Culture paints a picture that if you don't live a certain lifestyle, if you don't drive the right car, if you don't fit the right part, you're never going to be happy or fulfilled or have value. But look at verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, here's what you got to understand. Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. What's on the inside of you is more important than what's on the outside of you. He's looking for your heart. And I'm going to ask you this something this morning. Do you have a heart condition? I'm not asking you if you're on the medical side. I'm asking you, do you have a heart condition? I, know, I don't know about y'all, but God doesn't fix something in me overnight. Don't you say nothing. Sometimes he tries to fix it, and it takes the process. And sometimes he tries to fix it, and I just say, no. I'm a little stubborn sometimes. She said a little. No, I'm a lot stubborn sometimes. But 
he's still working on my attitudes. He's still, this is the pastor of the house talking to you. He's still working on my thought patterns. He's still working on my fears. He's still working on things in my life. How about you? What's he still working on with you? It may show, it may not show on the outside because we're really good at cleaning up the outside. We're really good at putting on our makeup, ladies, not me, but we're really good at, at, at putting a smile on when there's pain underneath. We're really good at showing everybody our best aside, but all down deep inside, we're really hurt and we're broken and God needs our heart. That's what he's more, that's what he cares about. The decisions that you make show your heart conditions. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many times has your heart and your mouth got you in trouble? Oh, y'all are saints in here, right? I, I've said things and went, oop, uh, probably shouldn't have said that one. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be too. So when you give, he's looking at your heart and that. But the one I like the best is as it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you can be saved. Israel wanted a king. God wanted a heart. So we go back to the story and the rest of the sons passed by after Eliab and, and God told Samuel, nope, none of these guys. In verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? He said, well, there remains yet one, the youngest, and there he is. He's keeping the sheep out there. And, and Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. There's nobody really out here anymore. But there was David. He was there. What about David? Well, David was the youngest. In the Jewish culture, the youngest had all the things stacked against them because the oldest one usually was in first in line for everything. And they also was looking at David's outward appearance and say, man, he, you don't want him in here. You know why? Because he stinks like the sheep. Have y'all ever been around a barn? Goats and sheep and all that stuff stink. They said, you don't want him in here. He didn't seem like he had any value. And he was so insignificant that his father didn't even invite him to the party. The definition of ins insignificant is this. It means lacking nothing not worth considering or unimportant. Feeling not value can lead you to insecurity. Where do your insecurities come from? Were you bullied growing up? Did you always feel like you had to perform to be loved? Did, you, did anyone ever tell you you just weren't good enough? Were you ever called the black sheep of the family? Come on, do I have any black sheep in the family here right now? Come on. All right, yeah, y'all are truthful. Did family dysfunctions or secrets cause you to be fully live in fear as a child? And have, here's the big one. Has repeated disappointments led you to believe you just don't have what it takes? We just feel like we don't measure up. We don't feel valuable. That's why, let me tell you what we offer here. We offer Celebrate Recovery. Because Celebrate Recovery, come on, let's give it up for Celebrate Every Saturday night, Brandy leads that well. We, we meet here every, they meet here every Saturday night at 6.30, but it, it deals with the hurts, it deals with the hang-ups, it deals with the habits. It deals with the things that we need to deal with a lot of times in a group session. We also have Leanne who does our inner healing. And what the inner healing does, it's more one-on-one, -on -one. it deals with breaking off things that have kept you from moving forward. 
So I'm gonna tell you what, I'm gonna ask you, join CR, because it could be good for you, you're in a group setting. Also, make an appointment with Leanne and our, and our inner healing team to get the, that junk to the surface and get rid of it. The point is we have help, someone safe to talk to. Listen to me, we've all felt dirty, we've all felt damaged, we've all felt tarnished, and, and God is making us new, and let's not forget, there's hidden treasure in all of us, but sometimes you gotta dig for it. When I go in these houses, I know there's something underneath that all that junk sometimes that's very valuable, and you may get scarred up by it. You might not be able to see it. I had pants on last week, but look at my legs. Looks like somebody shot me with a shotgun. I don't know what, bug, what shot they used, but they got me good. But this is all from just walking around, bumping into things, and, and getting scarred with life. You might have to get scarred sometimes to get to the point. You may get discouraged, but keep digging, keep looking, keep staying encouraged because there is value in each and every one of us. The good news is that, that you're, that's just a tiny reflection of what God thinks about you. People travel all over the world to see Monet, Van Gogh, and I can't think of many more good, good, good painters. Come on, come shout me out one. Picasso. Oh, Picasso, I forgot about him. Rembrandt, but that's only a tiny reflection of what God does for you. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. You are valuable because of whose you are, not who you are. We are his masterpiece, his creation. Genesis 1.27 says this. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He made us all unique. He made us all individuals. He made us all one of a kind. Everybody put your hand up. Nobody has the same fingerprints in this room. Everybody else put your hand up again. Oh, y'all have different DNA too. He made you fearfully and he wonderfully and fearfully made is what he made you. No one will ever be able to walk the earth like you. First Peter says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special, I'm trying to make you feel special up in here today. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want you to understand your value. I want to know that you mean something because there's people that are living in darkness that need to see your light. They need to see that, yes, I used to be this way, but I'm not that way anymore. So if this is a place to take notes, this is a good place to start. Number one, God knows everything about you. Uh-oh. That one's a little scary, isn't it? Look at Psalms 139, it says this. Oh Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it. God knows everything about your past. He knows everything about your thoughts. He knows everything about your dreams. He knows you want Mexican as soon as I get done talking. Right? He knows everything about you. So I'm going to ask you this. You need to not hide anything from him because he already knows it anyway. 
What that is, is we start getting fearful and intimidated thinking that God knows everything about it. But that's where he's trying to get us to expose everything he has so he can heal those things. He's the best place to go with your fears. Second Timothy says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm going to let you know that if you live in fear, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. But a power and of love and of a sound mind. He wants to help you with your worries. First Peter says this. Cast all your cares. Cast all your cares upon him. Cast all your cares. I'm repeating that self because I need to hear that. Because in the last two weeks, I've been trying to cast all my cares upon me, about everything else. And God said, no, if you just cast your cares upon me, I'll take care of the rest. Cast your weaknesses. Isaiah 41 says this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I'm going to strengthen you, yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is the safest relationships. When you have mistakes or you make, you, when you just fail in life like all of us do, he is the safest place to run to, not from. Number two, listen, you were created on purpose and for a purpose. Can I tell someone in here that today you're not an accident? You're not a mistake. I know there's people that have been uh, fighting and battling that their whole life because somebody told them, oh, you were a mistake or, or, or you were just an accident. Listen to this. There's no accidents. Psalms 139 says this. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Not only were you created on purpose, you were created for a purpose. You're not just here to take up room. There's the plug for we need service, people. You are here for a purpose. And it may not be just to clean the church or greet someone. It could be a purpose of meeting someone out there and putting a smile on your coworker's face and, and, and doing the things that God's called you to do outside of these walls. You're created for a purpose and you're valuable to God. He sees so much value in you that he gave his only son, Jesus, to save you. Let's do number three. Y'all can start coming up. I didn't give the cue. That was my fault. Jesus paid a price for you. You're valuable because of what he cost. You're chosen by God. You were adopted into his family. Listen to what Ephesians says here. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. You might feel like you're an orphan, but you're in God's family. You are still part of that family. And by bringing himself to us through Jesus Christ, this is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure, but this adoption came at a high price. The death of his son. The highest price that he could pay was the death of his son. But what that made, it made us accepted. It made us feel and it determined our value. Matthew 20 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus paid the highest price for you. You know what a ransom is? A ransom is a payoff. Jesus was willing to give his life to pay off all of your debts, to pay off all of your sins, to pay off, off those bad thoughts that you have in your mind. He paid the highest ransom for you, and it's paid. And sometimes we need to, do we need to just mark it paid, paid in full? 
So many times we think we still owe and we still owe. And listen, if you owe somebody some money, you better be paying them back. But but Jesus doesn't look at it that way. When he said it is finished, he marked off your debts. He canceled that. That's how much he values you. When you start to realize the price that he paid for your freedom, you can live free from guilt. You can live free from the shame and regret. And you can live free from the weight of the sin that you've been carrying around. We've been carrying around stuff. We've been hoarding things. We've been putting it over in the corner. And you can, when you get that freedom in Christ, you can put that stuff all to the side. And regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, you just got to know that you're loved, that you're accepted, that you're chosen, and that you're valued. Again, God loves to take that old thing, and he loves to make it new. We're, we're getting some items in to the thrift store, and we have a person that's been doing a remarkable job. But can I see the before picture of what this looked like? Look what it looks like now. There's a lot of things that are coming in, and, and um, I don't have a picture of the lamp. I'll talk about it in a minute. Let's look at this one here. Isn't this cool? That's what that looked like before. Uncool. <laughs> totally. Come on. How about this lovely end table right here? Everybody needs this lovely end table in their room. No, you don't. Who reads magazines anymore? But there's somebody who feels like this is valuable. Here's a great lamp. Yeah, it looks good from out there. But it's got an Indian and teepees on it. But someone who loves the native arts, that's valuable to them. The enemy wants to always make you see, show the old picture. He wants to make you feel like this, devalued. He wants to make you feel like, you know, man, man, all the paint's coming off of me and I, I'm, I'm a little rickety. But what fully does, what we need to understand is how, how God sees us. And when Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for our sins, he changed our value. We are no longer that anymore. We are this. That's what God thinks about you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning in this place. No longer are you looking at this old junk saying, man, I feel, you're feeling like junk. God said, no, no, I, I, I've made you so much more valuable than what the world, maybe somebody's been telling you that you're not valuable. God's about to change the way you think and in your mind because he believes that you're valuable. If y'all would stand with me, please. I'm just gonna ask you, don't dwell on what you used to look like because so many times we just dwell on, ugh, I don't really like the way I look. I don't really like the way that I feel. I feel like I still, let's not, let's not dwell on what we used to look like. Let's dwell on what we look like now in Christ Jesus. Because he strips away all that old stuff. And listen, it's a process. He, he, he refines us, he sands us, and it hurts. You ever been hurt by God? Oh God, that ouch, that hurt me a little bit. 
But what he's trying to do in that refining and that remodel is he's trying to make you into something new. He's not trying to take that old thing and just try to put a Band-Aid over top of your scars. He's trying to make you new. Maybe you can live, but you've got to start focusing on what God wants for you. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. This is your day to find your value in Christ. This is the day that Jesus paid the highest price to take that ugly old tarnished thing and to make it brand new. So I'm gonna ask you, our prayer team is gonna be on the left and they're gonna be on the right, that if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, come up here and just pray with someone. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, there's the other heart condition, that you can be saved. And so many times we complicate that. So many times we, we think it's just too big of a thing. But no, God just said, I just want your heart. So this morning, with all heads bowed, if we would, if that's you, raise your hand if you'd like to accept Jesus into your heart this morning. This morning, I'm gonna give you an opportunity also. Maybe you've been feeling kind of worn out. I, I can't believe he said that because that's, I've been feeling when you started reading this 23rd Psalm, I was like, yeah, I walk through the valley. I'm barely walking, God. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Maybe you feel tired. Maybe you're just worn out by life. Maybe you feel old and you don't feel like that new creation. I'm gonna ask you this morning to make your way to this altar. Join us in this song, not just singing a song, but being a song. I'm gonna ask you to join us up here and just say, God, I release to you all my fears. I release to you everything that's been in that outbuilding or everything that's been in that basement for so long. I release it to you right now. I bring it to the surface because I wanna get healed from it today. The healer is in the house this morning. Take advantage of it.